0: Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks.
1: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. And with me today, I have Mr. Matt Farah from all the way over in the States. Hi, Matt. Hello. What's going on? (laughs) Can you sort of introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and sort of what you do?
2: Sure. I'm Matt Farah. And for the last 15 years, I have been a full-time automotive journalist, primarily focused in the medium of video but also uh, in, in writing and podcasting. Uh, I'm also the owner and founder of a new business here in Los Angeles called Westside Collector Car Storage. You can probably guess what we are going to be doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely definitely get to that a bit later. So, I mean, how does it start? How do you Have you always been a car guy?
2: Yes. If you go way, way back to when I was very young, my late grandmother would tell me that I could identify cars by, like, their hubcaps, their, by their wheels. Back when oh, cars nice. had hubcaps. Cars don't really have hubcaps <laughs> anymore, but they used to. Then plastic things that went on there. And so, you know, I, I really developed a, an early knowledge of cars. I have, a, I have a massive collection of car magazines from back in the day. I have my – where is it? I have my first ever car magazine. It's right here. Oh, wow. What is it? This is – it's Car and Driver. It has the DeLorean oh, – yeah on the cover it's kind of falling apart but this was my first ever <laughs> pj o'rourke at the bottom i mean it's really classic classic car and driver and and that magazine and and the the delorean you know seeing the, the doors up and i mean it was really that was something that showed me at a very young age that you know cars were not just the the boring cars that you know mom and dad drove me drove me around in that cars could could be exciting you know i didn't as like a five year old, I didn't really know that the DeLorean wasn't a great car, but yeah, yeah. but I mean, you know, it's it's basically a spaceship, and then and then you've got you know Back to the Future coming out after that, so that really inspired reading about cars, learning about cars, studying it, making my parents take me to like the gray market Italian car dealers around uh, where I would, where I grew up, and sitting in like early Diablos and, and LMO double O twos and stuff like that. And kind of being like a five-year-old and like impressing the, the GM of the dealership with like knowing all the specs of the cars. So there's, there's pictures of me when I was young, like looking super awkward in my nineties clothes, but like sitting in, you know, the first Diablo to be delivered to New Jersey, you know, that kind of stuff. My dad got me a go-kart. You know that that turned into I did not like a crazy like Lewis Hamilton one like a you know a normal yeah, yeah. kind of normal kids go kart but it was still I mean incredible you know incredible we were where I lived at the time we had a very long driveway uh, we lived sort of on top of this hill uh, and our driveway was over a quarter of a mile long going down to the street and I mean. So, I mean, I, I had a hill climb. I straight up had a sick. hill climb. And so I would over and over and over again in this go-kart. I didn't need a racetrack. I had a. I had Goodwood. I mean, straight up. <laughs> um, I'd love to go back to that house. If anyone wants to find it, 2580 West Wesley Road, Atlanta, Georgia. The driveway is epic. <laughs> and so, you know, that turned into, you know, my dad letting me, drive his cars kind of around little subdivisions and parking lots and stuff like that and and you know just being the most excited for my first car and 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 actually being able to 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 drive and 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 try new cars and you know in high school I drove all my friends cars I wanted to try all of them and see what they were all like and it was always a hobby i never seemed like a real career opportunity yeah i actually studied photography um ah. Uh, I I always loved photography, and I studied that in university. I majored in photography. So that was going to be my career. And then when I graduated in 2004 from college, two things happened at the same time. First commercially available digital SLR and Craigslist. And those two things basically ended professional photography for all but the most upper echelon. You know, everybody but Annie Leibovitz and Bruce Weber. Was out of work, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, right. uh, and so, so I took a I took a job doing uh, graphic design, which was boring, and I, I I basically got fired for for fucking off. Oh, can I say f bombs on your podcast? Yeah, so, you can. Okay, I got fired for fucking off, uh, rightly so. I wasn't a good employee, but I I was like after that, I was like, okay, graphic design is boring, photography is going nowhere. I don't really know what else I'm good at, but like, I'm pretty good at cars. Like maybe I could just find something in cars. Mm. And uh, in the summers before this, I had interned at several different dealerships. I kind of knew my way around dealerships. I knew a lot about exotic cars and and sports cars and whatnot. I was very knowledgeable still, but I I, I didn't have any of the experience I have now, but for a general like kid, I was knowledgeable. And I got a job at Gotham Dream Cars, which is an exotic car rental company out of New York. And I worked for a dude named Rob Ferretti, who also makes YouTube videos, Super Speeders. Rob, he was making literally, he was making DVDs. He made videos before YouTube and he, he had four or five. DVDs. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> his first DVD came out in 2001. And wow. I mean, he was, he, was, he was so well positioned because not only was he running this exotic car rental company and he had a fleet of cars with which to make content in the early days of Gotham dream cars, when I was there, it was the wild West. I mean, it was crazy. It's much, it's a normal business now, but now, (laughs) but before, you know, back in the day when we were like children running it, it was crazy. And it was fun. I mean, we didn't do anything like, you know, criminal but but you know we had this fleet of cars and we would drive them and it was you know and we were also making videos there he was it's like the best job ever it it seemed like it, it the reality was very different from the fantasy of it if you if you look at the funnest moments in hindsight yes and and i got so much experience with the reality of exotic cars because these these cars we'd, we'd buy them new they'd immediately get the shit beat out of them for their entire lives by the customers. And so we would know like what cars would handle it and what cars wouldn't and what cars were good and what cars were bad. And we drove them all and they, we had an in-house tech. So we were, when they were taking them apart to fix them, we would, we would look at them and we would see who would go, what, what would go through tires and brakes and the clutches. And, and I learned so much and, and it was, because that was a transitional period in exotic cars, the single clutch automated systems. Having yeah, detailed yeah. experience in that area really, really, really helped. Really helped later. And what's so, it? The
0: most beating. Like, sorry, just couldn't hack it. What cars couldn't hack it? What cars couldn't hack it? Couldn't and yeah, um, both ends.
2: So the a lot of the single clutch manual cars or single clutch paddle cars. Um, yeah, the 360s yeah. Ferraris, the Mercys, the Lambo Mercys and the early Gallardos and the Aston Vanquishes would all just lunch clutches like it probably like by 10,000 miles all of them needed clutch replacements. Wow, yeah. Um, and and mainly that was because the the customers didn't Really, it's not that they didn't know. We would tell them how to drive those cars. You have to drive them in a specific way. Yeah. But when you, you have rent the car, it. you just don't give a shit. And so, for instance, you know, and then the Ferrari 430s, we cr- all the headers cracked. We had, you know, every <laughs> single one of them, the headers cracked, and the tail lights would fall out, and and there was really weird stuff. We found really strange stuff about all of the cars, and the yeah, and yeah. and the best car by far that we had from my perspective, was the four G GT. I mean, we had an 05 4 GT, mm. which is one of the top five best driving cars of all time. I mean, it's the most... Mag- Have you ever driven one?
0: I, I haven't, but I did a road trip earlier in the year and um, we went to Sweden and one of the Norwegian guys that came brought a four GT and he'd done the bumper to d- d- delete mm, mm. and a bit of like nipping and tucking and mm-hmm. just drove it like a madman yeah. the entire time. And it it just completely summed up for me why the new one just isn't that interesting to me at all
2: well they the had one very different goals they're very different cars the the 05 4 GT 044 GT was meant to be the ultimate road car and it was hmm. compared to everything that was out of the time O four four GT put that up against an 04 360 and a 360 is a lovely car but it's no four GT the 04 Gallardo which was so terrible they completely redesigned the powertrain a year later brand new car One year powertrain, okay? That's how bad the 04 Gallardo was. You know, the 04 Vanquish, look, I own a Vanquish, and I know what it is and it's not a Ford GT. It was so good. And the new Ford GT is so clearly a homologated race car. The old Ford yeah. GT made a terrible race car. A couple of them went racing, and they looked amazing, but they didn't win shit. The new, the new one is a homologated race car for sure. But, but that car was the Ford GT was the best car we had in the fleet. It was crashed. I want to say five times because nobody, customers, customers, crashing yeah. it into stationary objects. Um, always, always when it first started raining. It was very bad in a light rain, and it had no stability control. Oh, um, yeah. And the original tires, the OE tires, the Goodyear's were horrific, and, and it was very hairy to drive in the, in the wet. It, but it, five accidents, not one injury. No one was ever hurt. Oh, was it very, it fair was enough. Is a very strange thing in which it was very easy to crash and yet very hard to get hurt. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess all all low speed pulling out of junctions or whatever just Not necessarily. Right a round. couple
2: big hits. The car Oof. there was some a, there was a telephone pole side a a, a, a side side impact with a telephone pole. The pictures were gnarly and Rob Ferretti oh. I believe at the time like put them on YouTube or whatever whatever he was using to share at the yeah. time like we you know it was fucking crazy um and we also my favorite car we ever had at the rental company the four gt was was my favorite in terms of just the best the best car you know mm. we had Mercy's. so think of everything i worked there oh five oh oh five oh seven so th- we had the best of everything from yeah, that yeah. we learned a lot about what because we bought the best of everything and we learned during that time that you don't have to like we learned that yeah. people won't pay any more to rent a 911 Turbo than they will to rent a 911 Carrera. Yeah, it's just that. So, so we had turbos and we learned to not get turbos anymore. <laughs> you know? But anything have, with a Ferrari badge, right? And want. we also learned to eliminate. Yeah, all Ferraris must be red. All Lamborghinis must be yellow. We learned that. To 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 not ever get stick shift cars anymore. I think at the time we went there, while well, the time I was there, I had gone through like we went through like a hundred cars maybe, and seven or so. I, like every the, long story short, every stick car we had was totaled, every single one. <laughs> and compared to zero of the paddle shifted cars. Wow. All versus none. That I mean, that's how how bad an idea it is to rent out a stick shift car. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite car we ever had there though, was a very early Ferrari 360, very early. And it, I don't know where it came from, frankly. We bought it used. I don't know where it came from, but it was literally the first car they had as a company. And we still had it. It had 140,000 miles on it. And this thing was crazy fast, crazy fast, like you so remember the press car it, it I believe was a ringer press car. <laughs> it was a super early build EuroSpec car that read in kilometers, and it it had some stuff on it that other we because we had like six three sixties, so we had yeah. other stuff on it that the cars didn't have. when I tell you that this car would walk a challenge stradale like it was standing still and it sounded so crazy like it we had a, again we had a bunch of 360s none of them sounded like this fucking thing this motor <laughs> this motor was hot something was up with this car and i don't know where it came from but it was an yeah. early car at the time that people weren't modifying these things yet you know what I mean? A 360 was still like a pure thing. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, you don't mess with it. At that point. Right. This fucker was hot. And it, we, and we lent it out every, we rented it a bunch. Everybody loved it. Everyone who worked there loved driving it. It was everyone's favorite car, you know, and it had, it had maintenance issues like all of them. It had been through clutches. It had been through gearboxes. Maybe an F1 pumps. The, the F1 pumps would go bad once in a while. Eventually, And there is video of this. Rob has a great video of it. Eventually it was being driven by a customer and he must've been, he was probably going 85 or 90 miles an hour sustained, but in like third gear, like just not upshifting, (laughs) Yeah, he blew an oil line and it, it caught fire and it, it burned to the ground on the oh side dear. of uh, the Palisades Parkway. There's a great video of it just melting to a crisp. I'm in it, I'm in the video because I was there that day. And if you see me, I weigh like 80 pounds and that more in that video <laughs> than I weigh now. And I have big, big sideburns. But, but fucking OG Gotham dream cars uh, was, a, was a, it was an Back interesting in time, man. So, so anyway, when that, I, I left there after a while. To start this car wash with my friend Larry, who you may have heard of because he also makes videos. He's he's one of the yes. best detailers in the world, Larry Casilla. Have
0: I have some of his
2: ammo stuff? You? in the house? Isn't it great? I mean, he's oh, I mean, so he's he's a, such an interesting guy. So Larry and I were uh, best friends from middle school all through high school and afterwards. And we had a car club together in high school. We all had Mustangs together. We all had 5.0 Mustangs. And uh, so he was had just bought this detail shop. And, and he brought me in to help kind of grow it and turn it into like a bigger mm. thing. Uh, and we basically, I mean, I had to wash some cars too, but I, I hated that. <laughs> and and, and uh, I wasn't very good at it. But I was really good at entertaining the customers and coming up with fun stuff. And we had events and parties at the shop and barbecues. And and we realized that these exotic car customers were only just coming in just to hang out at the shop. They'd get a, they'd get a wash and the car. They'd come back a week later. The car would have five miles on it. We'd be like, this is so dumb. You're not driving your car. Like, so Google Maps was a new thing. And I was pretty good at finding roads that were like, you know, local, but people just didn't know because you weren't, I mean, you'd have to be, it was like a, a mo, it was a motorcycle thing, right. To, yeah. to, to dig through maps and find, was sort of a motorcycle thing. The car guys, they had their roads. They didn't really do yeah. digging. Um, And so at least, at least where I was from, uh, maybe, maybe other places they're, they're screaming at the podcast going, we fucking love the crowd. <laughs> But I got really good at Google Maps. I put together these incredible drives, and we'd have little details. Like I'd have scouts drive ahead of us and radio back for cops. Nice. We'd have a barbecue. We'd have – and then YouTube launched, and we went, oh – well, I could hire a video guy and we could make videos of our drives and then people would know that we're cool because we'll brand the videos. And so this was like a couple months after YouTube launched and we started making videos and the videos are still on YouTube. If you search New York Motor Club on YouTube, you'll find some amazingly ghetto videos. I'm going to look that up. Well, what's the most interesting thing about those videos in hindsight is that they're so old. They're su- such early YouTube videos they're pre-digital media copyright act. so we soundtracked those videos with real music. Like, there's like Cold War, like, uh, like there's like oh, wow. Pearl, like Pearl Jam and Stone Temple Pilots, and because they're so old, they have to leave it. So we're yeah. it's still up, and you and you know, dream. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like 240p. That's the downside. Oh you know yeah, I mean? is it like
0: square square format? Oh
2: oh yeah, dude. This is old. This is 2007, dude. We shot it on tapes. It was, it's nice. old and they basically look like, you know, skateboarding videos, but with cars yeah. is basically how that started. And then that very quickly evolved into me doing some talking bits, which, which turned into like a, an automotive commentating job, which the idea today in 2020 sounds fucking hilarious that somebody would pull, someone would see me, Having made, I don't know, seven or eight YouTube videos yeah. and go that guy and offer me a salary, a proper salary, like a salary yes. that if you got offered it today, you'd be like, oh, oh, to to make two videos a week talking about cars f- full time. I mean, that, that and and so at first I did it as Matt from the New York Motor Club to yeah. promote the business. And then I realized quickly two things. One. I was having way more fun making the videos than I was at the freezing cold car wash. This was in New York, mm-hmm. remember? And two, promoting a small local business to a global audience is fairly futile, yeah. which is something I'm learning again from West Side Collector Car. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How the circle like I've heard right. of
2: it, but I'm not a customer. <laughs> Well, that's fine. You know, I'm okay with that. You know, I'm okay with you having a friend in LA that might oh, for sure. ask you one day about this problem. And, you know, that's fine. We're, I'm creating something and I'm okay with it. But yeah. but at the time, it wasn't, there were no immediate returns. Oh, you see Finn? You see my cat Finn <laughs> yeah, in the background? Yeah. I have four cats. I was Finn. I thought this maybe gonna cruise through. I thought he'd come sit with me. He usually does in the mornings, but okay. <laughs> hey, Finn, you want to come hang? I don't know. Anyway. So, uh, you know, became a full-time video maker very quickly after that. I, you know, the the economy crashed. I lost that job and decided that I would commit to continuing the video thing on my own. So me and Mm. the crazy guy who I hired to make the quote skating videos with cars, I hired him as the cameraman when we went to make the the full-time show and me and him moved to L.A. together and uh, started the Smoking Tire. And that was the beginning of 2009. And we never really intended the Smoking Tire to be the primary source of income. We actually looked at it more as a rolling audition for television work. Because right. I had got, yep. got kind of a big head because when they were launching Top Gear U.S., it was like two weeks before I got fired. And so literally they called me. Like BBC producer calls me. We've seen your videos. We want you to come audition for Top Gear with Adam with Adam Carolla and Tanner Faust at Adam Carolla's garage. I'm like a nobody. I'd never met any of these people. I'd made like six months worth of videos. And I came out to LA. It was the middle of winter. It was fucking sunny out here. People are buying weed legally. We're at the racetrack. I'm like drifting with Tanner Faust. We're at Adam Carolla's garage. I'm like, I am Sick. never going back to New York. And, and very quickly I started looking at houses And I was like, Tom, we're going to Los Angeles And I didn't, I, you know, I didn't get the the Top Gear thing I don't know if that was for the best The, 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 the one I auditioned for didn't happen And then um, the one that did happen with Tanner and Rutledge and and Adam um, Was, I think I think they did a pretty good job I think it grew into a pretty decent show And I think the people that made it really cared about cars And really cared about doing a good job and I think by the by the last few seasons of it, they were um, they were doing their own stuff, not repurposing ideas from the yeah. British show. But I think I mean, all those all three of those guys are now now my friends. And I think they, they ultimately chose the right people. And it's fine. But so I did some other like I've done very probably, I don't know, five or six different cable TV shows. And yeah. we did the Drive Network thing. And, uh, you know, here we are. That's the yeah, that's 20, 29 minutes worth. Oh, God. Pretty, good. pretty good usually it takes me about 34 to get there <laughs> yeah
0: you passed through that pretty well when all of the drive stuff that i remember that sort of coming together and starting to happen yes yeah, so and it what, just sort of went mental for like two three years was well it so what happened it's was still going isn't it actually
2: when netflix and hulu went you know, streaming, right? Right when streaming became a thing, right around 2011 or so, when it really spun to streaming, YouTube was like, okay, TV shows are going to be on streaming platforms and we've got cat videos and bullshit. What we need (laughs) is some premium content, right? But Google had acquired them. So they had lots of money, right? Lots of money, but they wanted upmarket content. So they took pitches From both existing channels and producers who were going to create new channels under what was called the premium content initiative in which they would give you a grant that was money to produce content and would be repaid back by them taking 50% of your revenue for two years, two years from the air date of every video. Okay. Okay. And so that is a fine arrangement if the cycle continues. Yeah. If they abruptly end the cycle, it becomes very quickly not a fine arrangement. If, here's the twist. The twist, of course, the drive was that the, same, the guy who hired me out of the New York Motor Club to make that show, once that business collapsed in the crash of '08, he then became one of the partners at Drive. He stole a lot of money. Uh, yeah, he's a shit bag, by the way. He's a piece of shit. His name's Emil Rensing, and he's a piece of shit. I, I so I'm right. in a weird place with him because I owe the beginning of my career in some ways yeah. to him, to the opportunities. And yet he fucked me multiple times. <laughs> he's <Yeah>. in prison. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's in prison right now.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. So
2: like he, and, and not for stealing from drive, from stealing more from somebody more Other important. Other people. Yeah. But anyway, the combination of YouTube abruptly ending the program, him stealing that money, and the fact that we had to pay so much money back for the existing content, but because we had built a business based on like a $25,000 a month sale, you know, so yeah. we had hosts and camera guys. So, so what do you do, right? So he, you know, they had to figure out what it was they were going to do They and they pivoted to a freemium where you'd get short videos for free and long videos for pay. Remember this? And there was a fucking revolt. Do you remember that? Do you remember (laughs) everyone was just like,
0: "Fuck off! I'm not paying."
2: Yeah. Well, guess what? It's 2020. It's now eight years later, so seven years later from when this happened. And guess what? We've got Apple Plus and paywalled newspapers and fuck and and we everyone is doing it. And where is the revolt? Right. And so we were the as far as I know, I mean, I don't know who else tried this in 2014 and got hammered so badly for it. But that's the way that business works now. Period. Yeah. Either you're vlogging or doing little shitty GoPro videos like I'm doing. Or if there's a cameraman involved, you're paying for that shit kidding me then that's the standard and like i you know i use an iphone right you you know and and i i i look at the the news app you know what i mean and what's what's on the news app oh you can't read that without apple plus (laughs) apple but there's no like fucking revolt about apple but the problem with with the drive thing was when you're on when you're the host of a show and it does really well you get undeserved credit Right? You get credit for that show being great yeah. even if there's like so many people behind the scenes doing it. And yeah. You try yeah. and spread the, the credit around where you can, but but ultimately you know, that's Matt Farah's show. Well, yeah. if the people behind the scenes make decisions that the audience doesn't agree with, and I don't want to say they were bad decisions, because in hindsight I, I think they were the decisions that needed to be made at the time, but for if sure. the audience doesn't agree with it, even if the host takes a pay cut to keep working, <laughs> then... Then the it then this this failed because the hosts were greedy. Basically me oh, and Chris Harris nice. and all the hosts Wanted got get accused <laughs> of being greedy, wanting more money, not getting enough. When the truth was the hosts all took pay cuts in order because we had we had a business that employed hmm. like twenty people based on this YouTube program that was yoinked. Yeah. Ultimately the, the channel shit. Huh? Did you get a lot of shit? oh yeah well the whole you know so i started doing those things called that i called one takes right yep so the entire creation of one takes was a reactionary cynical response to the audience demanding we make these produced pieces for free yeah and i was going okay well look you don't get the filet mignon for free and not because I'm greedy, but because it takes two camera guys and five grand worth of gear, eight yeah. hours in the sun, and then an editor, another da 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 And, like, I, I can't do that for 500 bucks of rev share. Like, I just can't. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I will go out by myself and go slate and fucking speed a couple GoPros, drive up and down the hill, And now I have put in a micromanaged amount of time, very cynically, no B-roll, no editing, no music, no production. Hey, Matt, it would be great if you got some car to car. Fuck yeah, it would (laughs) not happening. Eat a dick. You know what I mean? But I was rewarded because it turns out that I pivoted to that type of unproduced content at exactly the right time. The audience decided that they were over produced content. The audience just decided that somehow it was more authentic to not edit things. And yep. the truth is, and then they would simultaneously give, give me shit for saying, like, um, and uh, and stuff like yeah. that. And it's like, you know that when I edit, all I do is remove ums and uhs, right? I leave <laughs> the fucking rest of it. But... <laughs> you know, like... That exactly. <laughs> like, bro, you expect me to talk for 15 minutes on the fly while driving without saying um or uh? How about yeah. you go fuck yourself? Are you kidding me?
0: <laughs> Although, having to edit, Videos of yourself, I find, massively forces you to think about how many ums and ahs and things like that you say. For example, you must have found that with well, the podcast. Yours are actually all live now, aren't they?
2: Yes, most Um, of them live. Yes, but to they are live. Yes, but to to the point that you're making about that. Once I the pivot from produced videos to one takes of the smoking tire didn't happen overnight. I first we. Me and Tom, my partner and and editor, we learned that that the money we were bringing in was not justifying the production. And the first thing we did was I had to learn how to edit myself. And so I knew what a good finished product would look like. But what I didn't know how to do back then was host for the editor, uh, where you would speak one sentence at a time with a pause that can be removed. You know what I mean? You'd have little thoughts you'd go to. And yeah. and when I learned to edit, I got massively better at hosting for the editor. Yeah. Having said that, when I'm doing one takes, I, I, I don't employ those techniques because they would sound weird as fuck if you didn't edit.
0: <laughs> yeah, and take too much time to edit. You then have to edit it.
2: Yeah, and it wasn't about ums and uhs for that. It was more about like, Advice for anyone who wants to host videos that are being edited, like speak in one sentence at a time and then take a break. It'll make your life great (laughs) as an editor. And also people are like, Matt, how do I do what you do? They really, (laughs) they really don't like when I respond to that question with learn Adobe Premiere Pro. That's not, it's not a good answer that they want to, the the question they really have is how do I book press cars? (laughs) Not not how do I actually do the job you have? And how do you actually do the job I have? Step one, Adobe Premiere Pro. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And then make thousands of videos and put them out on the internet.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think between 2015 and 17, I made 700 videos entirely by myself.
0: You know, that's that is, that's pretty gnarly. That's some good game. What was the most number
2: you've shot in one day? Seven. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Seven car reviews in one day. You want to talk seven about seven different something. cars one yeah, day. Yeah, seven different cars. Yeah. Yeah. I well, I mean what the what what I would do. Like I talked about micromanaging, right? Like the problem one of the problems with making videos for me is it here where I live, we've got these incredible roads, right? Where I drive these cars, these mountains are just, it's just the best outside of like Switzerland or something like this is the best it gets. And so, but in normal LA traffic, you're talking about 90 minutes each way from my house. Okay. They're in the middle of nowhere. And that's for, that's why I go there. But, but, but it's, so if you have to factor in three hours transit time, Plus your gas and you know, a meal or whatever, half a day of not being at the office. If to do one car video, well, your hourly rate just went down so much. But if you factor that three hours of transit time amortized over seven videos, your your rate is like way better. And so yeah, yeah. and so I, I I try I did it a couple of times. I didn't do seven. I think I did seven maybe maybe twice. I did six a bunch in fact, I would almost always schedule six assuming one or more would no show. And I would kind of panic if all six showed up. It's like an airline, you know, they oversell the airline and just assume it's like that. I would overbook and assume a break or a bail.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It seemed, I remember when you, you, I sort of first started seeing the one takes and it was at the time I'm, I'm, Quite good friends with Tim Schmee 150. Have mm. so you ever met Tim. And early, in, early on, I was always the photo guy that was like, "Let's make the most scenic, artistic, amazing right. movies, whatever." Right. And he would just be like, "Yeah, I tried that once, and it didn't make a difference to the audience. They They'd don't rather care. I filmed it on a phone. No. So that's all I'm going to do."
2: <laughs> no, he's. You know, he's right. the 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 audience will happily ask for all the production in the world. And if you give it to them, the returns are extremely incremental, if anything, and and the co- and there's no extra uh, return financially at all. So yeah, you know it's it's limited. I, I added drive bys at one point. After yeah. about, after about a year, <laughs> I added drive bys and. Um, that's, that's all I ever added, you know, and, and Zach is doing his own one takes now. And, yeah. and I think as, as I predicted, he'd, he'd get hammered in the comments for six months. And then people would realize that he's actually smart and funny. And, and I think he's right. And he's earned himself a little cash yeah. doing that. But ultimately, look, you make 700 videos in two years. I, I burned myself out. I didn't. For sure. And so I, I dialed that back. I, I now limit myself to, to press cars. Also, because, you know, I found you know I found myself, like, judging people's personal shit. Like, you know, people can make yeah. their own choices, and you don't want to... At a certain point, you don't want to interview a stranger for 15 minutes whose only qualification yeah. is that they have a mildly interesting car. And that's <laughs> not... To sh- I'm not trying to shit on anyone who's ever brought me a car. I've yeah, met yeah. a lot of really nice people, and I really appreciate them bringing me a car. And I'm not... Unappreciative of it, but the fact of the matter is I don't want to say, "Stand on the side of the road, give me your keys," and I yeah. don't necessarily want to interview someone just because they own a whatever blah, blah, blah. Yeah. anything <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah and and also and also driving a car for fifteen minutes, what happens is you develop a checklist, right you go, yeah how's the power, how's the suspension, how's the brakes?" is this a good value blah blah blah. Yeah. And then you get out of the car and it's like it's gone. It's just gone. It, 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 like I can't I don't even remember because there's there's three more over here I got to drive. Yeah. And then you repeat the same thing. And if your goal is to develop an encyclopedic knowledge base, that's a good way to do it, but I went too far. Like yeah. like two or 3 in a day is really manageable actually. Yeah. But 7 is like, you know. So <laughs> yeah. and and more importantly, more importantly, I am. I really want to judge, A, there's just more to talk about with a new car, right? Because with a new car, yeah. you, you could talk about a 1998 Honda Accord. What do you say? That's all right. Yeah. It's all right. Uh, it's a decent car. Okay, fine. But like the new, even if it's the new Honda Accord, well, what's different yeah. from the last Honda Accord? You know what I mean? And, and it's it's here's a big conglomerate that wants your money should you give it to them. That's different yeah. from do I like how this guy modified his shit, you know? Yeah. And so that's, that's, and it's been more rewarding. I've I figured out that the strategy rather than double dipping my time by having seven guys come out with cars, I yeah. now double dip my time by do a one take, do this thing called just the noise, which is even easier. I don't even have to talk, <laughs> just record the exhaust <laughs> yeah. and drive. Nice. And then I'll take, the still photographs, because remember I have a degree in that. Yep. And then I'll write an article for a road and track. And so now I spend a week with the car, I make notes, I really have something to say, hopefully. Mm. I say what I say in the video, I clarify my thoughts in the article, you know, and I generate yeah. more content from that one car while while really having something to say. Really And you, you get know, to
0: feel good about it afterwards as well. Like you've put a lot of effort in.
2: Well, I remember it. I re- if I drive a car for a week, I can tell you all kinds of things about that car, even if it was a long time ago. If I drive a car for 15 minutes, three days ago, you know, I, I, it's it goes quickly. You know, you, you yeah. need to, you need to, and, it, and cars are important. You can't, yes, you can judge a car's dynamics very quickly if it's very good or very bad. But if it's somewhere in the middle, a lot of nu- nuance happens over, using something over a period of time especially yeah. something as nuanced as a car. I have I have specific potholes near my house <laughs> where all cars are compared on how they take they one of them they repaved a couple weeks ago I'm like fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and you know I've got a specific entrance ramp that's got a nice big bump right in the middle of it. Yeah. All cars, how is the traction at the rear on that, you know? And so so you got to you got to do that stuff and not just have a have a blast in the canyons which you can get information from but it's but but there's more there's more than that
0: you know? yeah, yeah yeah one of the cars you've driven recently now i don't know whether you've written your article or whatever about it the 911 turbo
2: i did write the article no. and i made a video and i made a just the noise video and i took all the stills for that article okay boom
0: and, and they're all live and out and out there
2: yes the article is on road and track, uh, dot com and I'll the videos out. are both on my YouTube channel. I think they did pretty well. I think they're like 300K, high 200s or something. They did pretty yeah, good.
0: Yeah, good times. Yeah. What, talk to me. What did you think about it?
2: So, well, I mean, look, obviously it's fantastic. Have you driven a 992, any 992? I
0: haven't driven a 992 yet.
2: So the 992s, uh, other than the the GT car, which not is not out yet, the 992s yeah. are all turbocharged, right? All of them. So the only thing that differentiates the quote turbo from the Carreras is actually the displacement. It's not, it's the three, it's a three eight instead of a three Oh, but the, but it's even based on the same engine. So here's the problem for me. And, and by the way, you know, the car is spectacular, right? It's it's totally versatile, easy to drive. It's insanely fast. It's built very well. You know, all the things you expect from a 911 are there. It's big. It's big. And if you expect the 911 to not be big, you're going to be disappointed because it's big. It's very, very wide. But the Carrera S, for instance, is a really fast car. I mean, it's a really fast car. I've driven that. The new one, I've driven a lot. I probably got 2,000 miles on the Carrera S. And I don't own one. We're talking about just test cars. Yeah, yeah. It's got that turbocharged power band, right? The wave of torque. It's got the PDK. It's got great steering. All-wheel drive is available. I drove the all-wheel drive one too. You don't notice it at all until you start really pushing the front end hard. It's in a normal day. You'd never know it was there. All the cars are wide now. There's not two different body widths. They're all wide. So the problem is if you go 450 horsepower to 650 horsepower, how often is there a difference there? For some people, maybe all the time. And God help you if there is. I don't drive <laughs> honestly, that fast. <laughs> right. You know, there's some Germans, some crazy Germans on the Autobahn that might care. There's guys who race on runways that'll care. You know what I mean? But ultimately, when you, ultimately, you know, if, if you go back to like the 997 or even the 9911, uh, 9, 9, mm. 1. One, you had the naturally aspirated Carrera, you had the hot race motor GT3. You had the turbocharged turbo, right? Yeah. And these were cars that had very different flavors. And as the Carreras became turbocharged, they became a lot more like the turbo. Well, it's important to still have a, a top tier, very fast one. But yeah. but the bottom line is now the, the, the Carrera S is real fast and and as I mentioned in my article, I'm a pretty decent driver. I'm not, I'm not Lewis Hamilton, but I'm, I'm pretty good. I spend a lot of time at the racetrack and there are some people club level guys that could drive, can drive this very car faster than I can go. So I'm a pretty good driver. Career ass is still faster than me, right? There's, there's just not a lot of difference in feel usability or anything. When you go to the turbo, it's like, it's only when you're full throttle and only when you have enough room because, because up to about a hundred miles an hour, the numbers go up faster, but it's not like
0: that. The difference between the million pound cars now and the hundred grand cars up to a hundred miles an hour, they're basically the same.
2: That's you know that's what you learn if you if you go out in a Senna and, and a seven twenty you learn that wow they're they're the fucking same speed actually and the seven twenty is way more comfortable by the way you learn that you know you learn that that all the top tier cars are so fucking fast but if the and the speed can be worth it if the feel is substantially yeah. different from what's available at lower levels the that wave of turbo torque. Now that that feel is available on lesser 911s and in a volume that is sufficient to satisfy all but the hardest core lunatics, you know what I mean? For sure. A 450 horsepower 911 Carrera S is fuck all fast. That's a really fast car. And with like a mild
0: tune, it'll be like 550.
2: Correct. And yet also that's another thing, very easily tunable to get, you know, to get, to get close. Now the turbo gets its own gearbox. So it gets, you gets some different stuff, but, but at, you know, at anything less than bonsai racetrack yeah. levels or runways, the feel mm-hmm. of the two cars is going to be identical. And so that's, that's the, the, the trouble with the 911 uh, turbo. But, but, but that's that's my subjective like state of the yeah. world thing. That's yeah, my yeah, like yeah. that's an ethos. The car, yeah, crazy fast. Nothing wrong with it. You could do a hundred launches in the rain. You know, I mean, it's just it's just the numbers go up crazy fucking fast.
0: It sort of is what it is. That's what those cars have always been. Just really really fast.
2: Yes, but 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 when you had to get the turbo to yes. have turbos it wasn't just that it was fast. It's that it developed power and it, it yeah. performed in a certain feel that it, that was unique to itself. And, and it's, it's no longer unique. You can get 95%. I mean, it's really like it's 95% of the real world performance yeah. it's, from with a career S.
0: It's the first time 992. and We need to move on for this. Cause I know we don't have tons of time. But the first time I've looked at the Porsche range and gone i just don't understand why you get anything other than basically like a c2s or okay i do i, I like my gt3s and stuff like that yeah i mean the, that for
2: that four liter engine is worth spending the money on on the six-speed gearbox like definitely oh, i mean yeah. gt3 the pdk is lovely as well but but uh but a, a touring with oh that's fucking good that's nice. yeah
0: I that's that. a nice car I we'll, we'll see the, the next gt3 at some point in time yeah that's for 911s it'll Let's tell me a little bit. You have a Safari 911. I do. What was the, I mean, just why a Safari 911 to start with?
2: Well, so because it's very practical, <laughs> <laughs> extremely functional for my daily needs, actually. <laughs> I, I say that yeah, jokingly, but I'm, I'm not really kidding. I went to, uh, before I'd ever thought about this, I, I, I've been friends with this dude, Lee Keen, for a long time. A really long time like before I, I i met him before i ever made my first youtube video when he was a young okay. racing driver in connecticut and and i just kind of we stayed in touch over the years and he built himself the first safari which you may have seen on the cover of road and track the red one i also did a video for drive when drive was still yeah, a thing uh that, where yeah. i went to North Carolina I went to North Carolina to his, his like weekend house and drove it on like a rally stage and and like I, was, fun. I was so I was so blown away by it because on the loose surface, like I've driven a bunch of rally cars. I've driven Subarus, I've driven Mitsubishi's, I've driven Fords, I've driven I've driven a bunch. I've driven BRZ rally cars, mm. I've driven like probably seven or eight different different types of rally cars i have never driven a rally car that turned initiated a slide held the slide straightened out from the slide like this car did i've i've never i've never seen it before no handbrake And, and then, and then you drive it on the road and it's just the coolest, it's just got the best personality and it's not been ruined in the sense that you're, you're, that it, that it has very, it's very well mannered ruined you know there's people who think every 9-11 should be pristine factory and they'll think it's ruined and there's people that every nine eleven think every nine eleven that should be modified should there's be thousands out there modified in in an r Gruppa, you know backdate kind of thing so but for me it, it, it became a quite a practical decision at the time i i had owned a, in the past a ford raptor hmm. um which was a cool
3: Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
2: Truck and, you know, when you're driving on bad roads, you know, having like a Baja suspension is pretty fun, but it's enormous. And so the idea of having suspension travel and the bash bars and the fog lights, but then also having a lot of the things that I liked about air-cooled 911s, you know, Lee really liked these crazy interiors, and I love crazy interiors. And but but really, it was it was actually driving his car. I, I was so nervous when we got there because we're talking about a single stage, single track rally yeah. stage, trees, not sand, deep forest trees, elevation. It's a it's fundamentally a dirt hill climb, and it was closed. It was just us, and he started by taking me up the stage. And this is like it was like around the corner from his house, so apparently he just like knows this really well. Yeah. And he's in flip-flops. He's got big feet in like US thirteen, like big fucking feet. And yeah. flip flops, dude. And he's a big he's like he's like six five lanky. Kind of goofy, goofy looking lanky dude. And this motherfucker is I mean he's Lee Keen. If you've ever seen this guy drive, do you know who he is, by the way? Who I I've Lee seen
0: is? like a couple of videos of him racing and stuff.
2: Have you seen the rain dance video? No. The best Lee Keen video. Go on YouTube. Know and look at rain it's called rain dance it's a gopro on his head it's mm. him racing at the Nurburgring ring in a 911 it's either a, it's a cup or an rsr i think it's an rsr gt3r or something like that something like that it's from yeah, it's yeah. from maybe 2011 or, or 10 he's racing in the rain and it's the last lap of a race that is about to be called for rain mm. and in that lap he passes 13 cars It's, it's just, it's just insane. I mean, the guy is, the guy is so fucking good. He's probably, I mean, he's one of the, one of like the least recognized, amazing drivers, I think, but he does all the stunt driving for JF and stuff and, and, and he's just incredible. Anyway, he takes me up this hill in flip-flops and shorts, like fucking Colin McRae. I mean, just like just rooster (laughs) tails and just banging the rev limiter and you know, swinging the ass like a foot from trees. And I go, I didn't think we were going to like die, but I was certain that there was no way I'd be able to do that. I was, I was like, this is Lee being Lee, not this car. You know, we're just in an old 911. And then I drove the car and I was very cautious at first, but within a few minutes I wasn't Lee, but I was doing enormous slides and I was doing (laughs) linking S's and, and, and what's great about, you know, nine 11s in general is especially old ones is your weight transfer is super important. And the, the big hurt, the big, the big, like uh-huh, light bulb moment for me on the racetrack was once I started riding motorcycles and learned about front rear, left, white, okay. right weight yeah, yeah. transfer. And what that does to your balance, that was like an enormous change in race driving. And so, and so with a nine 11, You have to really shift the weight now. If you have a a long travel suspension, it allows you to shift the weight in a more exaggerated manner. It's like how trophy trucks work, right? And so, when it's hard to believe, but this thing on dirt is like a GT3 on the track it turns in, (laughs) it rotates, it's balanced. You know, when you do a big slide, it's not you're not letting the wheel go, and it's just here. It's here to here. Yeah. It's here to here. To, it's 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 180 degrees in the wheel, <laughs> and it's and it's just. I took it to El Mirage with Larry Chen, and I El Mirage is a big dry lake bed. It's like three okay, miles yeah. long. I did a second gear manji at like 50 miles an hour mm. asterisk out on the edge, not in the middle. I don't drift where they race. Cause they got, you know, like uh land speed cars out there going 300. Yeah. So you don't drift in the middle because they race on that, but out by the edges by the brush is okay. I did a manji three quarters of a mile long. I mean, just, just rooster tail, rooster tail, rooster yeah. tail. And, do, 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 do. and I mean, it's just, it's got, a, it's got a hot diff in it. You know, it's got a hot rod three, two in the back uh, on a G 50 gearbox. And it's just so great. And, and, and even, and, and when it's not doing that, you know what I mean? That's something I've done a couple of times, but it's not doing that. I'm driving it in a city. So it's not like it's my Canyon car. It's not like I've sacrificed some weekend Canyon car. It's like, no dude, you got to understand, like because it has travel and bumpers and all this, like, I actually, I'll go to the fucking grocery store. Like, I use it for stuff because I'm not smashing potholes in a 9-11. In, like, inside LA, the streets suck. Like, it's potholes. Yeah. Like, that's why people drive crossovers. It's, like, for that. <laughs> it's, I can imagine it's
0: great for that. Like...
2: The best. The best. There's no speed bumps. I, you skip <laughs> like a rock. Yeah. And, and when you pull up in the valet, they move the Bentleys for you you know what i mean you you because here's a guy who looks like me six foot three 260 pounds bald beard getting out of a lifted pink porsche like what the like who is this guy what the fuck i don't know he goes up front that's you know it's such a it's such a charming friendly car it's not it's not this like you see some of these safari builds that are like real like Apocalypse Safari—they're like real aggro, yeah. dark
0: one going around, real this trophy.
2: Week. Yeah, which is by the way, looks like an exceptional quality build. Mine's not that. Mine is clearly a silly thing that <laughs> where I have amplified the silliness. You yeah. know, it's got bus interior. You know, it's it's like light. It's like it's like grape soda pink over, you know, over this uh, burgundy leather with the bus fabric and. But it's look, it sounds great. You know, TLG and North Hollywood just built me a fucking rad motor. It's such a it's such Mm. a great hot rod motor. But it's also like so not a race car. Like it has Air conditioning. It has heat. It has a sunroof. It has a, a Bluetooth stereo, USB ports. Like I have, I have a ski rack on and I have a snow tire set up. Like I drive it to the mountains. Like that's my ski Sounds car. Great. Like I look like I look like those you know those old Porsche commercials where they got yeah, yeah. the Porsche. Up I, I'm like that guy. It's great. It's so fun. This and, is like um,
0: my my sort of car. I have a backdated 911. It's an SC that's been messed with by a company here called Auto Farm uh-huh. and. I took it to Sweden in the winter. Awesome. I drove around in the snow and stuff. And like you said, on like a loose surface, That's it was fantastic. just... I was there with a bunch of people with modern stuff. Like, uh, I think someone had an AMG GT and a bunch of stuff like that. And it, this was just 10 times more fun than and everything else. Yeah. And just, it's just the sickest fun. It just so epic hooning around in an old 911.
2: Well, the um, you know, car that has really good on-road mannerisms is is gonna with the right tires will have great loose surface mannerisms. I mean, so so for me, the the ground clearance is nice, but that doesn't have all that much to do with its yeah. loose surface performance. I mean, it's got the right tire and it's got a good diff, but but um, you know, when you can exaggerate that weight transfer. It's, it's a it's a shockingly nimble car on a loose surface I, c- I can just mob this thing on dirt and it's just it's really fun it's really fun and it's you know obviously the trade-off is you lose steering precision on tarmac yes yeah. you do and you know okay but fine but I'm you know LA is a big grid man I'm driving I'm driving yeah. it straight I'm driving it on freeways it's not it's not the canyon car when if I'm in the canyons odds are I'm working I'm driving I'm driving you know something that's not my own car really
0: yeah yeah totally and then and then so you've during this time you've been doing the podcast
1: yeah
2: and we started the podcast in 2011 and at the time we were like this is stupid everyone's already doing a podcast why are we even doing this
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's funny i think i was talking to someone about that literally yesterday and they were saying like oh we started a podcast like eight years ago and then i forgot about them and then everyone is suddenly again, is like, Oh, podcast's the new thing. Like, yeah, oh, they, they have actually yeah. been around for a long
2: time. It was, it was a hard, it's, it's not hard because it's fun. And in the beginning, certainly it was just me and my crew lived in a house together. There's was five of us living yeah. in this big house. So, so we just set up microphones on the dinner table and it was literally what we were doing anyway. It was like us getting mm. high and drunk and yelling at each other and being silly. And eventually it became a little mildly more professional and we started booking yeah. guests and stuff. and, and you know, it, I love radio. I really do love radio. I did some radio back in the day. On I had a show with Mike Spinelli on Sirius XM on RPM yeah. Radio. On uh, remember Maxim magazine? Yeah. They yeah, had a cha- They had a channel, and on satellite radio, and so so podcasts are great because they it's it's the same as radio, but no FCC. That's our our censorship here in the yeah. states, and and you don't have to do it at any specific time. That was always the most annoying. Yeah. Showing up at exactly two o'clock to do your hour of radio was yeah. super limiting. So now you know that's obviously a thing, and and um you know I'm fortunate enough that I'm I'm mildly friendly with some people who have been very successful at podcasting like Adam Carolla and Joe Rogan. And so um, if I have, you know, tips or, or or need any, you know, quick questions, I I try not to bother those guys too much, but, but, um, but it's a good resource to have. And, and I still love doing radio and I still, I still really like doing talking to interesting people. I think sometimes I, 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 I got to a point at one point that I was booking people that, maybe weren't so interesting just because I thought we needed a guest and it was so guest yeah. driven. As it turns out, starting to look into the metrics, the shows that were just me and Zach did by far the best <laughs> uh, by, a, by an enormous margin, which was a really interesting thing to learn. So we're still doing guests, but we're making sure to have plenty of, of me and Zach time. The biggest news for the podcast, actually, because we're now on episode, I don't know, it's like five, 530 or something like that. Wow. Uh, the biggest news for the podcast is that I think in about a month, we're launching a separate new YouTube channel just for the podcast. It's not. Oh, okay. We're finally, yeah. I, I don't know, for such a long time, I was of the impression that if you've got an audience of almost a million people, mm. why wouldn't you feed that audience everything you do? I mean, that, that to me makes some kind Sounds of logical, logical sense but i don't actually think that's how the internet brain works
0: i i, I agree with you i don't think it does i yeah. i split you split and, then and looked in i looked into it and saw people that were doing it yeah and it just doesn't it doesn't cross over like the, and then I, I put a few out on I have a small youtube channel mm. and put a few out on there and they just the percentage of views that versus a normal video was mm. tiny right. and therefore youtube's just looking at you and going well no one's interested in this so then they just kill
2: your channel so exactly nothing to add that's correct (laughs) it 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 it, if you have even you know if you've a successful video car review video for me is a hundred times more views than a successful podcast video yeah and so your channel gets ranked by the, by it brings down the average. It just, the it bottom line is I, I talked to Doug uh, DeMuro about it and he, he came to the conclusion that if you ask YouTube, they will deny that bringing down your average is a problem. But in his experience, it was, that's why he did the more Doug yeah. like, the separate channel. And so finally we're just, we're sucking it up. It's an, unbelievable undertaking to remove 500 videos from You're removing them and then we're, putting them back up we are removing them all from the one channel and putting them oh. all on the new channel yeah, yeah, quite, yeah
0: i guess from a searchability point of view that's quite good
2: you know it's what we're gonna do we're gonna clean it all yeah. out and we're gonna put it on a separate thing and we're gonna promote the shit out of it it's the channel is just called the smoking tire podcast um so- it's very simple but it we're going to we're going to separate it and i i hope that that, that and we're also that's going to come with a basic redesign of our channel layouts and stuff like yeah, that yeah. but it's that's that's our as far as the media goes that's our next thing that we are we're and we're moving I mean of course we're moving to from our studio that I fucking hate so much I shouldn't hate it so much because it's been nothing but good to me I've had no almost no problems of any kind there in five years but it was it's this little crappy building and it was supposed to be a temp studio Mm. because west side was only supposed to take a year and now it's been five and I want out of this (laughs) studio and into my new studio so badly (laughs) So, yeah, new studio and separate channel. That's what's coming, you know, this summer for us.
0: How is Westside coming along? Is it is it all up and running now, or is it nearly? No,
2: yet? it's nearly there. But you know, it's like a, it's like building a car, right? You know, you when you build your car and and you put the seats in it and the wheels on it and sitting on the ground, you go, well, that looks done. And, <laughs> and that's when all the that's when all the hard stuff starts. And so you know, it's it's a it's a really. I don't recommend anyone build anything in Los Angeles. It's really 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 hard and and it just it really beats the shit out of you but we're almost done and and the good news is the the finished product you know I can pretty much call it a finished product now because they're like right now they're installing like carpets and security cameras and really 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 end stuff it's done yeah, yeah. basically just nowhere just nowhere like it I mean you know you've I know in England there's that wind rush place which is very yeah we've got a
0: a few sort of things but it definitely Um, seems when I first saw that you were starting doing it I I, like straight away car storage is a great I think it's a great business to be in and something to be doing and it looks like you're doing it properly from well we don't really have a choice
2: because we are in Los Angeles you've got you got two things you're dealing with you're dealing with the fire and you're dealing with the earthquakes and so the, the real estate is so expensive here yeah. that if you that you cannot buy a single a property and store cars on one level or even two levels. You have to store them on we're going we're five vertical and so five. It's, it's well it's there's an underground level where okay, you drive no, down yeah. a ramp and then we have our main floor with with park plus eighteen quad stackers. And so <laughs> when you go the top cars are almost forty feet in the air. And so we're this the city has required us to build the entire building and including the lifts to withstand a, a 12 earthquake, which has never happened actually it's never <laughs> even come close. And then you had we had to build an entire wall that goes the entire height of the building. That protects the offices and this podcast studio and the cigar lounge, the so-called living spaces. Mm. That is a two-hour fire barrier. Meaning, if a huge fire broke out, you could have a cup of tea in the lounge for two, two hours. hours. Yeah, and watch it burn. Yeah.
0: So you will never have to cut a podcast short.
2: Never. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Guys, here we get coming to you live. <laughs> you know, it's cra- it's really crazy, and uh, there's, a, there's a there's a there's a proper regulation for ev- everything you can imagine is extremely heavily, heavily regulated. And so a lot of it is is driven by those regulations versus how many cars can we safely fit uh, into this uh, space. You know, it's a 14,000 hmm. square foot space. It's, it's, it's not that big. It's not like I bought a car dealership or something. It's, yeah. it's a fairly normal building size, but it holds 130 cars because it's really smartly designed. You know, we also had to, we dug a basement. So if you think about the fact that we had to, we, we bought a piece of dirt, we dug a 15 foot basement that holds 40 cars, also earthquake. <laughs> and then yeah. there's an open deck ceiling that has 18 quads sitting on the open. I mean, it's like, Jesus, what has gone on? You know, we poured 160 concrete trucks.
0: For those that are listening, Matt's done quite a few videos of the build process, (laughs) which I I really enjoy because I love like techie engineering type stuff and you're talking about concrete.
2: Yeah, I'm doing (laughs) another one this weekend where we're going to talk about all the wiring and the electronics and all this craziness. Like, because, yeah, no, everything is like all the, everything's electronic, everything. And so we've got like so many cameras. Like I, I just did the walkthrough with the, with the guy uh, who's installing all of our low voltage. So we've got 64 cameras that stream to us, to a local server yeah. and then to the cloud. And we've got the monitors in the podcast studio and the cigar lounge. So you can watch all of it. There's like, there's nowhere to hide. And it's really, it's really cool. And I've got a thing where I can remote all the gates so I can, I could let a customer in like nice. in the middle of the night to return a car, but they would do it in the detail bay, not in the main area. And we've got like double gated systems. So that the main room is a dust free room. And I mean, it's it's the the exhaust fan setup we have is extraordinary. In the main room, you could run twenty cars at, at, at once in the main room with no wow. deterioration in air quality. Yeah, it's thirty six thousand nice. cubic feet per minute uh, exhaust fan. It's, it's wild. The fan itself is like the size of like a sub Z fridge. <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. We had a cr- it took a crane. We had to shut down the road yeah. and crane the fan onto the roof. I mean, dude, everything. Uh, oh, bro. I've had, to, I've had to replace sidewalks. I got to repave streets. Oh, my God. I had to, I had to do so much public works. Like, I've been extorted like 10 times. It's so crazy. The fact that regular people are going to be able to access my service for $600 a month <laughs> compared to the money I have put into building this, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like giving it away. I mean, it's crazy. People laugh. People are like, "Oh, that's too expensive." I was like, "Bro, that that doesn't even buy a light fixture in here."
0: Yeah, <laughs>
2: it's just it's all of it. All of it I've done so far overboard that nobody could come in and go, "Well, you haven't thought of this." I've thought yeah. of because our, our racks, by the way, eighteen by four. Mm. First in the first time ever in Southern California, first time ever over a basement. Most never seen ever, a rack that big. Yeah, most uh, it's the most indoors in one room ever. First yeah. time with a full fire sprinkler system integrated, and the first time with integrated battery tenders. We got five firsts nice. in, in my building. So, and the and they're the first ones ever installed in Southern California seismic regs. So well, it to sounds, get it's just crazy.
0: It sounds like a pretty pretty cool place. It's crazy. What's the? I know we sort of. Conscious, you're not being okay. Conscious it's actually. fine. I
2: I was it, while I was rambling, I I texted the next call and told them I'm having 15 minutes late. So I I don't uh, want okay. I don't want to cut you okay. off. We're cool.
0: What's the 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 biggest thing for the new podcast year that you're excited about? What's have you changed any stuff in the setup? And or you just... oh
2: well, my I mean the new ta- the new table is really mm. like so. Well, first off, then what's different about the new studio? Everything.
3: <laughs> okay.
2: It's, I built a podcast studio. So we start with yeah. the room, which is soundproof. Okay. The the room is complete. It, watch, the walls are all air channeled. It's fully, nice. it's got acoustic tiles in the ceiling. It's got acoustic concrete with double layer, blah, 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 on the floor. So we built a soundproof room. So that's number 1. It overlooks the, the the main storage room which you won't see in the video version of the show but you'll see yeah. it when you're in the room which is fantastic. It's wired so we've got monitors on the walls, we're getting proper studio lighting in the ceiling and then the table itself we've been I always if you listen to the podcast you can bitch about it a lot cuz people bang <laughs> on the table and our table yeah, is yeah. like from IKEA and it's like it's like a snare drum. It's like bang <laughs> on the table it's ridiculous. Yeah. So all I've wanted for years is a table that's so thick you could drop a bowling ball on it you and know it's not move. yeah and so and so um i got a nine foot black walnut table custom made by this place sunset projects that's got have you ever seen the epoxy rivers
0: yes yes Where you get
2: the live edge table and yeah, they fill yeah, the yeah. Gap. so it looks like a google maps nice. of lakes and rivers so it's that it's awesome. that and and then uh, what was the last cool thing on the podcast studio? Well, the feed, the video feed goes into the cigar lounge. So you can watch it right. live. It's like a green room, oh, nice. which is very cool. There's also a, a bar in there, which is good. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, what was the last thing with the, the table? The Oh, um, the, I mean, perhaps most importantly, I don't know if you can, if you can see it over there. And I don't want, there's, if yep. there's a box. Uh, see that white box over there? Yeah. Sitting over there, that cardboard box. That box right there has five shore S M seven Bs. Oh
0: I've been looking at them and (laughs) there's a point in time I'm like, I will buy them but it's not yet.
2: For those who don't know what the SM7B is, it's the Joe Rogan podcast microphone. Why does Joe Rogan's podcast sound better than everybody else's? Because his microphones are $500. (laughs) And because the arms to hold them are another $500. So that, our new studio, we're not only going to have a new table, we're not only going to have a soundproof room, we are all fucking with SM7Bs, which I am so excited for. So Hi. what's new? Fucking everything is new. <laughs> After ten years, we are. I am going hard at the paint with our podcast gear.
0: That sounds it sounds like it's going to be sick, and it's which, a, by the it way, it means, like means cool we're place.
2: selling all of our old podcast gear. So, if anyone out there is, is a podcaster and is interested in a really nice, totally decent setup, send me an email.
0: Yeah, right. So I normally round these up with five questions yeah first question five car garage unlimited value
2: unlimited oh boy here we go yeah well one I... i've got one i've got my my lamborghini Countach is per- a permanent fixture in all all garages going forward oh um, it's the best car ever um it's
0: pretty it's pretty cool how have you how long have you had that for now
2: i've had it i bought it in october of 18 so yeah. a year and a half put about seven seven thousand kilometers i put on it Woo. Yeah, I drive, it, I drive it every week. I drive it once a week. Nice. Um, it's cost me zero dollars to maintain in that time. And it's a fucking great car. It's I, It works perfectly, knock wood. It's, it starts when I want it to start. It's, it there's, it is, all the things I heard about Countach's just don't apply to mine. Air conditioning works. Like, I just, <laughs> I, just I just, I just go drive it all all the time. And I love it. It's fucking great. It's comfortable. And so that's that's going to be a fixture of all all garages. It's, it's the right yeah. color. It's got the right provenance. Like everything about it is dope.
0: Yeah. Was that a poster car for you as a child?
2: I had the white-on-white white Alpine stereo poster. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the, the poster from the day that was of a car that looks like mine, the red with gold wheels, which is my color, was from the 1987 issue of Road & Track, and Jeff Zwart shot it, who Jeff Zwart is a, he's now a fixture in the LA car scene. He's like, he's won Pike's Peak a bunch. He's a very mm. famous photographer and director. And he gave me an original, which he found. Oh,
0: nice. Was, I have
2: it. It's framed. Nice. It's going to be uh, hanging at the new place, which I'm excited. So that's one. Uh, McLaren F1, obviously. Uh, GTR or
0: normal or LM. LM, or
2: LM if you have yeah. to, you know, the LM is really where it's at. I had a ride in an LM once and it was very, very special. That's, that's seared. You then it would have to have a Range Rover. It uh, doesn't okay. necessarily need to be the fastest Range Rover. In, in fact, I don't really like the the super shouty Range Rovers. I hope my yeah. friend Jamal Hamidi, who works at SVR, doesn't uh, get <laughs> mad at me for saying that. But a nice, a nice Range Rover with that Meridian stereo going mm. is where I want to be. You then would want to have a Porsche Taycan Turbo S. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then... Let's see. I'd probably want uh, a 997 GT3 RS 4 liter. Um, yeah. uh, barring that, uh, a GT3 RS with a Sharkworks 4.2 engine would be quite delightful. Okay. Well, I've got um, is that five? I that. think that's five. That's five. Um, is that five? I, yeah.
0: I own a 997 Gen 2 RS.
2: Oh, they're fantastic. What and a great fucking car.
0: I've driven a, a 4 liter. Yeah. But before I got my car. Uh-huh. I've got my car for a while now. Much and difference? at the time I drove a 3.8 and a four liter back to back within like an hour. It was like sort of a Porsche experience center. And mm. then a couple of months later I bought my car and I've had my car for six years or something. And, um, so I can't really remember. I remember the, the punch in the engine. And it's been something that sat in the back of my mind ever since I saw that first Sharkworks video from whoever.
2: Probably me. It could <laughs> Probably be me. It could probably probably be me. The blue, the blue car. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, the yeah. The blue yeah. car was the Sharkworks 4.2. Now, I, I've never driven a four zero. I've never driven a factory four liter. Yeah, but at least not of that generation. But to, I've driven a bunch of the of the three eights. There's a there's a pretty substantial difference when you go to that Sharkworks 4.2. That's a there's a big big punch. I think the the pickup is like a plus sixty plus forty or something. It's a it's a big difference. But I think it was a. So I think it's a. I think it's more than that. Might even mean it might be more. It might be like a hundred. I think it's a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I think that's a $75,000
0: engine. <laughs> um, and that's the thing.
2: It's, yeah, right.
0: I, I've always pondered like, oh, should I do the conversion? Should I do the conversion? And then I, I got in touch with them and found out how much it was. And I think yeah. it was like $40,000, something like that. Yeah. 40,000
2: plus your engine, right? Yeah. Plus yeah. your engine, which
0: yeah. could then explode at any point in time. Right, and right, I, right. I tried to find out how many had been done. Because if, if, if like 500 had been done, and they've never had any problems. And I don't think they've had any problems with their car. But as far as I'm aware, there's only been like two or three that have been done.
2: Yeah, there's not a lot of people that really go that hard at it. If I were you, I wouldn't fuck with your car unless and, something catastrophic happened. And if it did, that's when you would do it.
0: Yeah, I think so. And yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the, early on, the only sort of fault I have with my car is I wish it had a bit more low-down torque but, but
2: um, oh well, that's only a fifty thousand dollar problem yeah
0: exactly and I, I used to think that was an issue and then as i got better at driving you just commit if you commit more on entry
2: yeah
0: you don't yeah, have man. that problem
2: that car's got it's got plenty of power that's it's not, got it's not a car that's devoid of power no that's um, those are really really good i had a i had a week with the 9972 mm. rs press car, and I. Whatever the mileage allocation was, <laughs> I went way over. <laughs> I'd like to, I'm not, I'm, despite owning a Countach, like I'm not made of money, but, but I one day would like to, uh, to have one of those RS's. I yeah. Think. It was, it was, that one left, really left an impression. I think even more so than the GT3 Touring, which I also think is just spectacular.
0: Yeah. I've driven a manual, manual 991.2. And it was something I considered changing my car for mm. and then I've sort of gone against it because I've got so many <laughs> memories with my car and I keep essentially I like that was the first
2: I I just like a smaller car.
0: Yeah. It's, it makes a huge difference. Like my old nine eleven is tiny. Yeah.
2: Tiny. Yeah. Yes. in mine you can you, you you have a racing line within yeah. your lane. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's you have like actually... two lanes. <laughs> yeah. You know, in the nine nine two the 992's track width is is crazy wide. And it, and when you drive a 992, uh, I tested that on a road called the Tail of the Dragon in the US, mm. it's a pretty famous road. And and I had someone drive a chase cam for me. Yeah. Inches. I mean, you have inches oh. between the yellow line and the white line. And and you know, on a racetrack, that doesn't matter so much. A racetrack's, you know, 40 feet wide or yeah. whatever. But when but when you're driving cars that are not only so much, you know, it's like you, you've you seen, um you must have seen the, uh, the Formula One documentary, One. I, I think I've, no, I don't think what? I've seen What? Oh, you're missing out. Get this shit. It's just the number one narrated yeah. by Michael Fassbender. It's probably the best racing documentary, oh, check it I think, of all time, tied with maybe Senna. Okay, yeah. it's like it's like, but it's that level of energy, and so yeah. Jack, you know, Jackie Stewart, who was a big safety advocate, spends a lot of time talking about the period at which the cars got crazy fast, but the yeah. race tracks were still, you know, your pre World War II race tracks, yeah. right? That's where we're at with supercars and hypercars on the street
1: now, yeah.
2: where the the canyons that I drove, that road was built in the fifties or the sixties when. Even the fastest cars were like three hundred horsepower. You know now you're going up to yeah. eight hundred horsepower, like thousand <laughs> horsepower, like even a Mustang with four fifty or whatever. Like, of course, people are sailing cars off the fucking yeah. canyons. You know what I mean? Like, the roads are the same, and the 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 jump in horsepower over the last fifteen years is like, oh, bro, these fucking roads need to catch up with this shit. You know?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I like I live in Central London, and I. I've, or, I love the idea of having an RS6 at some point, and then mm. I have an S4, mm. and the difference in width between S4 width driving around Central London and RS6 width yeah. is like comfortable to uh, everything's <laughs> just like uh, a little bit tight. Like you yeah. go through a width descri- width restriction. Mm. Like I know with the like the new 991 Turbo is seriously wide. Yeah, and there was just places near me that if you were in that car, I would just turn around and just go the other way yes. because you're just going to ruin your rims, ruin the car, ruin everything.
2: I've done a, uh, I've I've been to Monaco three times. Um, yeah, two out of the three times were to film something, and, and one was to go to the Grand Prix on a, on a vacation. And the and when I went to film both times, well, the first time I was driving an SLS Black Series, mm-hmm. uh, UK car, so right hand drive <laughs> in, in in Monaco, nice and. Then, which is fine. I, I'm fine with right hand drive. But, oh, yeah. And the other time I was driving in an a Ventador and Monaco parking garage. Oh
0: my.
1: <laughs> I was
2: under, you know, where you need like oh. an air traffic control spot. What? Why, with, with Why do they have these kits. curbs
0: that are like this? In a car park, just designed to ruin rims.
2: Yeah. Well, Westside Collector Car Storage does not. You should see the ramp (laughs) I built. I'm such a concrete nerd, dude. I benchmarked the C7 Corvette ZR1, which is the longest, lowest car that you can buy in America without a nose lift. Option. Right. So it's got the carbon shit stuck out. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we got the specs from GM and we made a wooden buck and we were running it up and down the ramp to make nice. sure the, the angles all work. And man, you can't yeah. scrape, you can't scrape nothing in my place. I got the I have the most beautiful driveways in Los <laughs> Angeles. Because in LA we don't have like regular storm sewers here. They make yeah. you cut like gutters in the street, which makes all the driveways all like angled fucked oh, yeah. up. Yeah. So we got a variance. So my driveways are like
1: butter.
0: Nice, yeah. nice. Yep. Right, if you could only drive one car for the rest of your life, and you're allowed a 500 pound beater on the side, so if you've got kids and family and whatever, right? Is, but okay. you've got one car.
2: Well, I mean, it's got it's got to be a 911. I mean, one car forever. <laughs> it it has to be like a GT3 Touring with the comfort seats. I mean, there that, that, I can't possibly imagine being tired of something like that ever. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, and I and I would definitely have a uh, like a, a an old uh, like a Toyota 4Runner or uh, or something like that, you know, for a beater. Yeah. Like I I have like uh, I've got a Delica. You know what those are? Do you get those? Mm, okay, oh, no. a Delica no. is like a Japanese market. A minivan a mitsubishi small it's not a k van it's not that small yeah but it's a cab over kind of space van okay yeah yeah and i we imported one of those and so i've got one of those that's gonna be the airport shuttle at west side um, okay cool because it, remi- it really reminded me of the kind of thing you get picked up at the airport in like thailand
0: <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. so we
2: got so it's only got forty thousand kilometers on it. it's fucking thing is so it's fresh Oh, uh, it's great. And so it's a great air. We're only about two miles from the airport, so it's super it's not like you're going like an hour, yeah, yeah. it's like real close, so it's fun. So yeah, I'd have I'd have a Delica and uh and a nine eleven.
0: Cool. <laughs> right. What do you think is undervalued at the moment in the car
2: world? Oh, a few things. Diablos, mm-hmm. I think, are are undervalued. Um, how much is a Diablo now? In- early cars. Oh hi Finn. This is Finn. <laughs> um come here, Bob. Early cars are still in the low 100 thousands range 130 140 really good stuff like svs and and roadsters are probably in the mid to high 200s yeah i think those are probably a a bit undervalued (laughs) kountoshes kountoshes should be way more valuable (laughs) by the way
0: but okay but if you were never going to sell that car would you actually want it to be more valuable
2: of course, I want it to be more valuable. I want you want everything to be more valuable. Just no, I because know, that's but how, your insurance I, would go up. Oh, that's a good point. It's a good point. Declared value insurance. That's true. Yeah, but at declared value insurance, if it burns to the ground, I still want to get paid. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's that's, not, it's that's, not necessarily when just you've about got a car
0: that might set on fire, you you want your value to be good.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny about that? I, when I drive the Countach, it it runs perfectly perfect doesn't run hot it does it's it, it, yeah. you know ever there, there's nothing about the car I, I I'm pretty in touch with cars and there's nothing about that car that leads me to believe it's going to let me down never yeah right and yet every three or four minutes I look in the rearview mirror at the engine bonnet and I go are we on fire yet <laughs> nope moving on and that and I repeat that <laughs> 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 I pretty much, I pretty much have decided every mile not on fire in that car. No, I, you know, my friend, I, I had a friend named um, Carl Ruiz who died last year, and he was, a, he's like a celebrity chef on the Food Network, and he's one of the most interesting, funny people that 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 I that I knew. And he was hanging out of my house on my roof when that car, the opportunity to buy that car, came up, and he saw my reaction when, because I bought it from a friend of mine. It was sort of those, like, I told him, like, you know, years ago, you know, it came up. And, and he was like, you know, he's a Cuban guy, Carl. He was like, cuz, if you don't buy that fucking car and drive it as much as you fucking can, I'm going to throw you off this roof. <laughs> and and I bought the car, and he ended up, you know, he, he did he passed away last year. But, you know, he who dies with the most toys still dies, right? And so yeah. so there's you know, I I understand why somebody would want to buy a car as a pure investment. Right. And obviously for me, it is, it is an investment of sorts because yes, I had the money to buy the car. I I'm out of focus here. I had the money to buy the car. I, I I don't necessarily have the money to lose. (laughs) That's why why insurance is there. You know what I mean? And so, and so, but, but look, as we've seen in the last month, right here in America, the, the stock market is in the fucking toilet, yeah. right? There's people. It's a good place to have money, right? There's people that had that go buying a Lamborghini is stupid. Put your money in the stock market, and guess what? Their money is now worth fuck all, you know. Or it's down, it's down fifty percent because people are sick. You know what yeah. I mean? Because of something that has nothing to do, you know, with how that company performed,
0: right? And you get no enjoyment out of it either,
2: right? And and yes, okay, the value of you, uh, vintage cars is temporarily down as well sure but in the meantime i can go for a drive it's still it's a, still a physical object you know and i'm not saying that that everyone should take their money out of the stock market and put it in cars but like i have money in stocks and i have money in other things and i own a house and, and i own some watches and a car and it's part of a diversified yeah. portfolio and <laughs> and you know the watches and the car are not bigger portions the of the investment, but but it is absolutely more important. If you look at a car like mine and the the mileage I've got on it, which is about thirty two thousand kilometers on my car, and you look mm-hmm. at someone cars that sell with more seventy five or eighty thousand yeah. kilometers on them. If the car is nice, the miles were cheap. Yeah, you know, if you keep the car up, if you do the maintenance, if you start with the right car and keep it up. The, the miles are cheap, man. It, it, letting the car sit, not doing the miles yeah. is what's expensive because now shit's rotting. And now you got to eat some fucking $20,000 service and you didn't even drive it. Like, ugh, yeah, That's the yeah. worst. <laughs> you know, if I have to pay some crazy bill, you know, that'll hurt. But I was driving the car and I broke it during the course of use. And, well, that's that's – but what I found is the opposite. The last yeah. owner – who was a, a dear friend, put a 1,000 miles on the car in 10 years and had to do a $50,000 valve job and a clutch and a water pump and a blah, 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 and a blah, blah, yeah. blah, and a blah, blah, blah. I bought the car working out of a fresh service. That was the deal. He would service it, and I'd buy it ready to go, and I did. And I just started driving it, treating it you know, well, but treating it like a car, hmm. just driving it. And guess what? It works right. (laughs) It costs nothing. It costs absolutely nothing other than whatever hypothetical devaluation there is from from putting seven thousand kilometers on the car, which Mm -hmm. by the way, have been extraordinarily fun. Yeah. And and even if I lose a little money on the car. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. I, drove, I drove a Countach. It's fucking awesome. There's so
0: there's many other cars out there you could go and buy for the same amount of money or less and lose significant <laughs> amounts of money on. Like yes. Buy an SL65 or whatever, that sort of shit, <laughs> which is like 200 grand. Yeah. yeah. You lose 100 in, a, yeah. in two months.
2: Bro, there's people be leasing that shit in LA for like 144 months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Ridiculous. Oh, is
0: it, it's only this amount a month it's like yeah but you pay that every month and you, you never get it back
2: never never no uh, you know i i can't recommend highly enough buying a vintage car getting it sorted and then using it as much as you can because yeah. i think you find if you do the math the, the miles really are cheap unless you're talking about some still in the plastic museum yeah. piece
0: i've owned some expensive and very expensive cars and the ones that have been the most expensive to own have always been any car i've bought new uh, <laughs> yeah. so i bought an rs3 new that and sold it two years later that cost me a lot yeah and i bought a boxster new and that cost me a lot the my g 3 yeah. has made made loads of money Other, yeah. everything else is just up or the same
2: the biggest bath i've ever taken in a vehicle transaction was my focus rs in which I, <laughs> yeah. in which I lost, in which I lost twenty two thousand dollars in two in two years on a fucking Ford Focus. That's it. I mean, that's it. I mean, that is, I. I it's so embarrassing, you know. And I talked to Rob Ferretti, and he go, I go, what did you spend to drive a three Ferrari three hundred and sixty for ten thousand miles last year? He goes, eh, about four grand. I go, fuck. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's it. I remember talking to a couple of my friends and I think at the time I'd I'd had the RS3 or whatever and I I was talking to Tim and he had an FF and then James had his F12 and James, I remember for a year and he drove 10,000 miles, his F12, okay, ignoring the cost of the actual car whatever yeah i think it depreciation was 10 grand i was like hell in a minute like, i've lost more on my rs3 than you did yeah. on an f12 and yeah. you're driving an f12
2: <laughs> you know the, the problem is of course cost of entry right but but yes. and these are very these are very expensive cars and and most people can't afford the cost of entry but but if you can I think that you find that if you buy the car right and you treat it right, not yeah. being a total bitch, but 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 you know, you, you use the car and whatever, the miles are cheap. Yeah, the just start new cars
0: as well. Yeah. yeah. New cars. Are and actually really to go expensive. back
2: at back to the rental company, you know, we had some different kinds of customers. We had the guy who wanted to go to the club, we had the 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 wife that got it for the husband for the birthday, we got the person who might want to mm. buy one and one of the test drive and 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 in the in the rental agreement, it was very expensive to rent the car for the day. But you get a hundred miles included. Yeah. But to go two hundred miles, to get double the distance, was only like an extra one hundred and fifty dollars. Like the, yeah. the the miles were cheap, cheap, yeah. and and they are if you own the car too. The miles the miles are cheap, yeah, especially compared to owning it anyway and not driving it. That's yeah. fucking expensive. Because yeah. you know, it's, driving it it's, for two weeks driving is not expensive. Parking it's expensive. <laughs> Servicing it's expensive. Driving it costs costs nothing.
0: Yeah, there's a big argument for just like if you want a supercar, just rent it for a little bit.
2: Uh, well, you know what they say in America: if it <laughs> fly, if it flies, floats or fucks is the expression yeah. <laughs> actually. <laughs> Hey, I'm sorry to, to run, but I kind of yeah. have to run. Can I just
0: give yeah. you the one, one last question? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the most interesting car to you at the moment?
2: What, like a new car?
0: New car, old car, anything. What are you looking at and going, mm, I like that.
2: Well, I just spent a week with the Morgan Plus 4. Oh, um, which i i love morgan so much i think they're yeah, so they're charming cool. and any and you know they're objectively such pieces of junk but <laughs> subjectively so wonderful you know what i mean and if you if you were to write a review and talk about the suspension quality or the build quality or yeah. the really anything it's all going to be terrible but but to drive one whether it's a three-wheeler or a plus four is is, a, is an it's extraordinary an experience, experience yeah. that to contrast with a couple weeks ago with the 911 Turbo S that where this, where you, you know, it's, it's all the waves of turbo torque and the number just goes up faster and you just yeah. go, go to jail or the wall faster. <laughs> you know, the, the, the Morgan, um, and I'm, they have a brand new one that I think is already out in the UK in the U S it's still the last of the old what one. The, plus the, Ford six. Engine. No, the new plus six in the UK. Yeah. I've driven this. The...
0: You drove it. I've driven the plus six, but there's a new plus four
2: as well. Right. So there is, but not yet. I have okay. we have the old plus four still here, right. just for a bit. But it's a 70-year-old brand new car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And so to drive our canyon roads in that car, which yeah. was were designed around the same time. It's like, oh well, this is a totally yeah. interesting and different and unique motoring experience and so i think what we're going to see i hope what we see going forward is as our everyday cars become more egg-like and bland and electric and there's not anything necessarily wrong with electric evs can be fun but 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 soulless right i think we will see First off, it'll be Morgan and the cockroaches at the very end. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Morgan. The three everyone else will also be dead, and Morgan will be like fucking chiseling whatever. <laughs> but um, but we'll see the 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 real specialty, low volume manufacturers yeah. like BAC and Ariel and and people that are making these really you know engaging Niche. cars. Um, I think we'll will have their chance.
0: Cool. Well, I'm aware that we're we're running out of time, and that has that has been. That's been great. Thanks very much. Thank no problem, much man. Thank you podcast. for uh,
2: thanks for calling. Um, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, uh, check. Uh, I guess I'll just plug everything else. Check out all, all my stuff. Is the smoking tire? I got YouTube. We got podcasts. Wherever you get your podcast, it's also a video show on my YouTube channel for the next month, and then on its own channel. My Instagram is pretty fun. You see cars, but also watches and my my cats and food. And follow me on Twitter if you want to hear me be a left a liberal progressive <laughs> <laughs> but that's it thanks man
0: sweet
3: even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus